Welcome back to all our listeners. And now let us continue. And just like what we usually do, I will play where we left off the last act. And be blessed as you listen to the rest of our conversation. My question is, how will people hear the voice of God in their life? And how do they get to test it? Yes, this, this is a podcast all by itself. But I'll give you the quickest answer I can. And then you're going to have to invite me back because I won't be able to answer it in full depth. You're, you're I, coming back for the live stream. So yes, you're coming oh, back. Okay, here we go. <laughs> at any rate. I wrote a book on on hearing the voice of Jesus, and the title is Hey, Are You There? It's Me, God, How to Listen, Test, and Know When God Speaks. That was only on Amazon. I self-published that. But the for me, the identity marker of recognizing that Jesus is in you is named in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 17. It says this, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's three things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so righteousness is a sweet walk with Jesus. Peace is internal serenity. And joy is internal celebration despite external circumstance. When all three of those grow big while you're in the middle of a prayer time, God is speaking. Now, he speaks primarily by presence. He speaks by the increase and the withdrawing of his presence. The the time it became really clear to me. I will tell you a story from, from my Hey, Are You There? It's Me God book. So years ago, I, I was just saved. You, you heard the story. I had an unclean spirit cast out of me. That was my first belief, minute as a, as a Christian believer. Anyway, I started to learn the scripture, and I didn't know anything about the Bible, absolutely nothing. And my friends passed me scriptures, and they showed me what to read and so on and so forth. And in the course of time, I started to understand a little bit. This was a funny thing. So I belonged to three Bible studies at the same time because I was just soaking up the scripture. There was a, a Tuesday Bible study at, at school. There was a Thursday night Bible study in somebody's home. There was a Friday night prayer and praise that I attended. And then there was church on Sunday and I went twice. So, I mean, five hits a week to get the scripture in me because I was so hungry for scripture. Anyway, bottom line was I went to the Tuesday Bible study and the topic was tithing, giving the first 10% of your money. And I didn't like that. <laughs> Bit of a cheapskate. And I said, well, I need to eat. God doesn't need to eat. Why does he need my money? That was the question in my head. <laughs> so, so after the Tuesday... I went to the Thursday night study and the topic that night was tithing, giving the first 10% of your income. And I looked, I looked around the room and I, I popped, I had the question in my head, tithing. Well, God doesn't need to eat. I need to eat. Why does he need my money? And the guy who was teaching the Bible study said, well, what are you going to do with the Lord's money? Eat it? You know? And so, <laughs> so we had a substantial conversation about generosity and the practice of giving the first 10%. And then the following night I went to the prayer and praise and three people testified three in a row testified about how they started to practice the tithe and how they got blessed as there was this boomerang effect. So I thought, okay, I got a little part-time job. I'll start putting money in an envelope. You know, in those days, the, the minimum wage was low and I was making minimum wage. I had this little part-time job. So I took an envelope and eventually inside the envelope, I had 120 bucks. And I thought to myself, you know, I better give that money away. It's God's. I was, I really didn't want to. <laughs> I wanted to spend it. But I, 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 now I belong, the, the Tuesday Bible study had a couple in it named Derek and Deb, and they were devoted to the Lord and they wanted to go to Asia on missionary service. And they had to, they didn't know how they were going to get there. And of course it meant they had to raise support. And so I was praying beside my bed for the very first time, asking this question about the money. And here's what happened. I said, God, should I give money away? And I, what happened inside me wasn't a voice, but it was presence. The peace grew huge. 
And it was like a fiery internal piece got big. And I said, who should I give it to? And immediately the piece got big. And I thought of my two friends, Derek and Deb. And I knew they were going to go overseas. And so I thought, well, I don't want to give away all of it. How much should I give? And I named a number and I threw out a number, just, you know, 110 bucks. And the only way I can describe what happened next was there was a, a diminishing, a diminishing of the piece inside and then a yearning inside of me to try again. So I said, well, should I give him $109? And it got, the piece grew bigger, but it wasn't settled. And then I said, Lord, should I give them $108 in cash? And as soon as I said that, my spirit turned on fire. I jumped to my feet and I said, yes, yes, yes. I need to give $108 away to Derek and Deb. Now you got to pay attention to this detail. It was a Friday afternoon at four o'clock when that happened to me. So I took the envelope and I put $108 in. Now I had to do chores and I found a three by five card and I wrote out the, the, the text in Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I wrote that inside. And then I stuffed the money in there, sealed the envelope and I wrote their, their first names and I knew where they lived because we belonged to, you know, we, we did some things together. I knew where they lived, about two blocks from my home, right? Anyway, I drove up and I parked down the street because I didn't want them to see. <laughs> it was about seven o'clock at night. The sun was setting and I saw that their porch light was burned out. This is Friday at seven o'clock. And so I snuck up really fast. My part was pounding. My hands were shaking. I was so excited to give $108 away to Derek and Deb. I popped the envelope in the box and I raced away and they didn't know that I had done this. Now, two weeks later, I got really curious. What happened with that money? Why did God want me to give them $108? So I decided to take my dog for a walk up and down the street until they noticed me. <laughs> he sticks his head out the door. He says, Dave, you're here. I said, yes, I am. What's up? He said, I want you to come in. I got something to tell you. I said, what is it? He said, God is supplying our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He quoted the text I put inside the envelope. And so I walk in. It's two weeks later. I sit down. He makes me a cup of tea. And then he says, two weeks ago on Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon, my wife and I were praying about whether we should go overseas quickly or whether we should. Uh, I have to take two more courses to complete my, my bachelor's degree. And one of them is only offered in an evening course every two years. And it was going to be offered on Monday night. And I had to pay the tuition on Monday. We had food in the fridge. We had gas in the tank. We were fine, but we didn't have enough money to pay for the tuition. And I couldn't take the course. And I'd have to wait two years to get my BA if I didn't do that. And so he said, I said, well, what did you need? He said, well, at Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon, we realized we had 50 bucks. And it was $158 to pay for the course. And so on Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon, we knelt down in our living room. And we said, God, would you send someone to send $108 to us by Monday morning? And so I've got that word in my bedroom praying away. And it was whittled down from 110 to 108. So it was exact. I put it in the envelope. I put it in their mailbox. But here was the thing. There was no mail delivery on Saturday. And there was no mail delivery on Sunday because that was their day, days off. And so they spent the weekend crying out to God for the $108. But it was sitting in their mailbox. <laughs> At any rate, they on Monday morning, he got a gift of faith. And he wrote a check for $158. And as he was walking out the door, 
he lifted up the mailbox and there was the envelope with the money in it right to the penny that's how i heard the voice of jesus for the first time and it had to do with this you develop a prayer life and you pay attention to the increase or the withdrawing of his presence and the same applies with healing prayer you can't produce a miracle but you can cooperate with one and when you start to pray you don't pray oh god no bless susie she's sick what you do is you you wait and you wait for the increase of the presence while you are before the lord with the person you're praying to praying for as the presence increases you pray what comes into your spirit in harmony with scripture and then you begin to see the movement of the lord but that experience of that 108 dollars forever changed my life for two reasons number one it was evident i got it completely right and exactly on time number two i learned that the lord supplied my friends needs at the exact moment they needed it and that god could be trusted to do the same for me and this this amazing kind of thing happened and from that point forward i began to examine two things how to hear the voice of jesus with humble certainty there's nothing more than obnoxious or rude than having somebody walk up to you slap you on the forehead and say i got a plan for you jesus is a wonderful plan for your life and they're completely wrong <laughs> i remember once i went to a conference on prayer for healing i went to this conference i walked into the conference and there was a lady middle-aged lady with an altar prayer tag on and there were two thousand people in that place and i suspect they were going to teach us how to do this so the lady walks up to me and she said may i pray for you i said oh sure i'd love that would you please pray for me so she puts her hand on me and she says this you're a draftsman you're unemployed and you're depressed i said i'm a pastor i got a job i'm blissfully content and she walked away <laughs> that was not helpful you can project your yearnings on somebody else or you can pay attention to the increase of his presence and you need to have a humble attitude as you do that same is also true in prayer for healing now mahal what, what, what i do when i do prayer for healing is i go into whatever situation is required and i will pray a blessing on the room when i walk in because that's what the scripture says you need to do then i'll sit down with the person and i'll say what is it that you're afflicted with what what are the issues what are you praying about and they'll tell me and sometimes the presenting issue is not really the issue sometimes god has a different agenda and so i if it's a female or a male i say may i place my hand on your shoulder you never touch someone unless they give permission and if they do then you proceed and then i wait and then i ask the lord to lead me into how best to pray lord jesus guide this intercession please you know this person better than i do you know me better than i do would you please move with your holy spirit and guide in this process and then i pay attention if the presence increases and ideas pop into my head i ask the person if it means something to them and i would say i'm getting this picture of does this mean anything to you and sometimes the presence just becomes large and all that you can do is cooperate with that there was a time when I was asked, I was invited to come to somebody's home to uh, to plan their 50th wedding anniversary. This story is in the Healing Prayer Book. And um, what happened was I walked in and I sat down. It was a very formal setting. There was a military guy who was sitting bolt up right at the end of his table. And the table was perfectly set with beautiful decorations and you know a little dolies and, and beautiful tarts and cakes and a silver tea service and the wife was across from me it was a 50th wedding anniversary they were asking me to pray about and so i had my notebook with me and i was willing i wanted to say listen what, what would you like to talk about in, in planning the anniversary and the fellow looked at me and said well can you change the date i said well what do you have in mind she said well we planned april this is in october or so we planned april 
could you do something between Christmas and New Year's? I said, oh, I, I think so. I think I got a couple of days. I opened up my planner. There were two days clear. We agreed on one. I circled the date. I said, are you trying to save your family money so they don't travel twice for the anniversary and Christmas? He said, no, I have just been diagnosed with level four bone cancer. I will be dead by April. And I wanted to celebrate 50 years with the woman that I love. Of course, his wife starts to cry. He was a World War II vet. And so he was completely at peace with God. He'd made his peace when the bullets were flying in the trenches. Anyway, he was an elderly man. And I looked at him. And the next thing you know, I, my head is in my hands because I can't believe what I'm hearing. I'd come for something delightful. And it turned into something very sad. And he starts to tell me, now listen, in my funeral, you're going to do both services. In my funeral, I want, this is my favorite hymn, you know. By the way, use this scripture. <laughs> he had the whole thing planned out. And I could not, for the life of me, think clearly enough to write the notes because the man i was still processing that this man was very ill and his wife was crying across the table from me suddenly into my heart a fire starts to burn you know in luke 24 it says did not our hearts burn strangely hot when he spoke to us that's that's what happened and compassion inside of me began to rise and i had a picture come into my head of me placing my hand over the man's right ear around the back of his head and asking jesus to heal and so I looked at him and I said, may I pray for you? And he gave me a very rigorous answer. And he said, no, basically, no, I, I'm, I'm at peace with God. I've, I've married 50 years. My wife is right. My, my wife's okay. We have a little nest egg. The, the mortgage is paid off, et cetera, et cetera. Everything was done. And so he says, now I want you to go back and start writing. And this fire got bigger. And the only I started to physically shake and a hot tear came from the corner of my right eye. I asked him a second time and he looked at me sternly. He said, uh, my... Two children are raised. Uh, we're married 50 years. My wife's taken care of. And that was code for don't ask again. <laughs> I asked, but I, I couldn't help it. That suddenly my whole body was beginning to shake. I, I said, may I please pray for you a third time and a fourth time. At the fourth time, he looked at me and he said, why are you asking me these fourth times when I said no three times? I said, I do believe the Lord wants you well. Would you allow me to pray for you? And he looked over at his wife and they're married 50 years. She gave him the look. <laughs> and so he nodded his head and it was like, okay, you're the pastor. You got to do your job. And so go ahead and pray. And I reached my hand around to the back of his head. I put my hand there. I started to pray and the room filled with compassion and peace and comfort and consolation and fire flowed into my heart and it flowed down in my hand. And it went into that area in his head. He put his head down on the table and he began to weep quietly. And he said, what is that fiery presence inside me? I said, that's the spirit of Jesus. He's granting you a healing. He said, keep praying. And I did. And, uh, oh, it was the most, I don't know how long that lasted. You know, I, I can't tell you. I can only tell you that the presence was thick and rich in that room. His wife was crying. He was completely at peace and feeling this fire burning through his body. And I was focused on this intercession. And then it lifted. He said, what was that? I said, that's the Lord's presence and power. That's how he talks. He speaks by presence and in harmony with the word. I gave him some scripture. I gave him my phone numbers. He lay down on the couch. And then uh, several weeks later, he called me at the office. I was working away. Now, my administrative assistant, Linda, had been invited to the two events. She'd been invited to the one in March or April, rather. And she was invited to the one at Christmas. And she looked at me and she said, that couple called. They said, you have to go over right away. I said, oh, I got a full day. She said, I'll cancel your day. You go. I went back. 
I sat down at exactly the same spot at the table. He, she poured out and served. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, we've had some news. Had a biopsy done. Got the results today. And then he gave a colossal wink like this. And then he said, we know who got that. <laughs> he lived 10 more years. 10 more years. Now, there's a delightful ending to the story. I wound up teaching at the training institute for my, for my denomination. And I was telling that very story to the class. And a young man put his hand up. I said, who are you? He said, my name is Tyler. May I speak? I said, sure. And he gave his last name. And he said, that was my grandfather. I was a shift worker. And I was sleeping down the hall. And I got up and walked down the hall. And my grandfather was lying on the couch. And he said, I said to him, what happened, Grandpa? He said, well, Pastor David came over and prayed for me. And I do believe Jesus has healed me. He was healed of the cancer. It was a remarkable, remarkable thing. That story is in the healing prayer book. That is just so amazing. I just, I just can't believe that talking about prayer is just so much fun because you could tell you and I are having so much fun with our conversation. Yes. I think, well, I could still remember the question. Oh, and I also want to say amen to that. That's just an amazing source you share. And that is just, what can I say? Great. So while I still remember, be sure to forget, question that came to my mind while listening to our conversation is, what do you think is the difference? What is the difference in the way that you pray before you get saved and after you got saved? Because that's amazing, you know, the conversation. And we don't just talk because conversation is not just talking. Conversation is having the other person talk back to you. Yes, that's it's true. one way around. So what yeah. is the difference before you were saved and after you were saved when it comes to prayer? I am sure you can guess another cliffhanger. So make sure to follow us so you don't miss the answer to the question where we left off and the rest of our conversation. Thank you and stay blessed. And now let us reflect to everything we've heard and listen to this beautiful music from our Spotify sponsor. Take care and always remember, come to Jesus daily. Until next time.